section ten of the bookman march nineteen twenty one by various this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org reading by matt perard the bookman march nineteen twenty one by various section ten america and the young intellectual by harold stearns an answer to the national genius in the january atlantic monthly in the atlantic for january stuart p sherman has the leading article called the national genius which is somewhat of a misnomer inasmuch as the substance of the discussion is really a hortatory appeal to our younger artists and writers the article is written with humor and vigor it is extremely able and clear setting forth a definite point of view the implications of which suggest a consistent philosophy of life it is because mr sherman makes articulate an attitude more or less consciously shared by the majority of what we may term the tolerant and enlightened part of the generation preceding us and because in common with a much larger group of the younger generation than mr sherman suspects i believe this attitude a rather tragically ill-informed one that i have ventured to reply to it the problem of america and or as i should say versus the young intellectual and why in the simplest sense of interest in intellectual things should we hesitate to use the term why should it carry with it a faint aura of effeminate gentility is of first-rate importance discussion of it illuminates many aspects of our cultural life and never was it more timely than to-day let me begin by stating as straightforwardly as i can mr sherman's main contentions mr sherman pictures himself at a typical american public dinner which h l mencken might characterize as a rotary club jubilee entirely controlled by rugged right thinkers at all events there is much talk of progress and efficiency increased production sanitation and sobriety and a future republic flowing with milk and honey so potent that everybody will then have a flivver a phonograph and hundreds of classical records a patent sewage system and a wireless telephone as well as an individual aeroplane to transport him from his immaculate home to his electric tractor ploughed field or to his model factory churches and universities will flourish and all the high roads be macadamized citizens of this ideal state will be diseaseless active moral and above all prosperous the picture of the future united states is the conventional roseate utopia dreamed of by all forward lookers and mechanical engineers it is to be american through and through that is shot thrown through with moral idealism perhaps as an afterthought the chairman of the dinner then calls upon a young literary artist to sketch a place in our program of democratic progress for art music literature and the like in short for the superfluous things 
the phrase grates on mr sherman as evidently it grated on the young literary artist in question for this gentleman whom mr sherman makes the protagonist for all the younger generation of literacy and artistic revoltes then arises and delivers himself of the following blasts one that the twin incubi of democracy and puritanism have made beauty a prostitute to utility and that the younger generation of artists and writers has seen through the solemn humbug of a future ideal republic envisaging the failure of civilization not only in the present but in the future two that the said younger generation wants only to be emancipated from the kind of people that have spoken earlier at this dinner for it imports its philosophy in fragments from beyond the borders of anglo-saxonia from ireland germany france and italy not forgetting to draw upon the quick semitic intelligence three that art is letting oneself out completely and perfectly and that the chief thing to let out is the long repressed sexual impulses recently unearthed by that prince of psychologists professor sigmund freud for most of the evil in the world is due to self-control now the justness of this touching picture of the younger generation of artists and writers i can hardly leave to mr sherman's conscience he may personally know individuals of the type described above but i don't and i frankly doubt if many such individuals exist certainly if they do they are not typical the picture mr sherman has sketched is a caricature in the true sense of the word i e a kernel of truth covered by different individual absurdities and weaknesses the kernel of truth of course is in the depiction of the younger generation as in revolt against the right thinkers and the forward lookers it is in revolt it does dislike almost to the point of hatred and certainly to the point of contempt the type of people dominant in our present civilization the people who actually run things i shall even go so far with mr sherman as to agree that this is a thoroughly unfortunate state of affairs unfortunate for the people who run things but even more unfortunate for the youngsters the fact of the hostility is not in dispute but i do most vigorously dispute the reasons mr sherman gives for its existence the individual irresponsibility he implies quite the contrary is the case as i shall try to show later however to return to the argument mr sherman goes home rather sadly from this dinner meditating on the folly of youth and reflecting on the love of notoriety in all ages the restoration fellows too he ponders were likewise in revolt at the puritans they let themselves out with a vengeance did not two wits and poets of good king charles the second's time strip themselves naked and run through the streets singing lascivious songs yet somehow they did not count these restoration revoltes they made no headway against the sense of the whole english nation they left no impress and to-day hardly their names are remembered mr sherman continues to meditate beauty he says whether we like it or not has a heart full of service 
it is impossible to separate art from the service to truth morals and democracy our forefathers were not grim did they not envisage among the inalienable rights of mankind the pursuit of happiness the artist must send us these moments of happiness and delight as often as he can but he does so permanently and most truly not by divorcing himself from the moralities of our time and custom and inviting us to sensuous indulgence but by kindling the austere ministers till they glow with passion further there is the whole question of the relation of the artist to society can an artist divorce himself from it or be in fundamental revolt against its chief characteristics mr sherman thinks not but then what is the chief characteristic of american society its moral idealism he replies adroitly quoting emerson whitman and thoreau even mr spingarn and mr dreiser to prove that we have this vital national culture thus we come to the conclusion that the artist should try to make contacts with that national culture fertilize it and be fertilized by it he should so to speak climb on the national bandwagon of moral idealism and see that a few gracious aesthetic roses are festooned around it as he hurries along the hard road of ethical and material progress first of all let me set down my points of agreement with mr sherman the problem of the relation of the artist and writer to the society in which he lives is a very old one and it seems to me a great deal of nonsense is talked on both sides of course no artist can completely escape his milieu and of course in one respect all great art is disinterested timeless equally true for all ages and all peoples universal yet there is no real conflict here and as in philosophy the problem of the one and the many or unity and diversity has so to speak only a speculative interest so in life the artist although expressing something universal must do it with the materials with the technique and in the idiom of the particular time and country in which he finds himself he will thus be disinterested in his art or his form of generalizing the particular only in proportion to the sharpness and keenness of his interest in the specific he cannot in any final sense put by the civilization he lives in and i think it basically true that a really great artist or writer will express the age to which he belongs he will speak the language of all humanity yet usually in a provincial accent in this sense i agree with mr sherman after all great art is art of acceptance and fulfilment of life rarely of repudiation and contempt and never of indifference here allow me a relevant digression in the freeman for the issue of the week of january twenty sixth albert j nock one of the editors offers a few words of advice to messrs st clair lewis floyd dell sherwood anderson and waldo frank whose latest novels all of them dealing with contemporary american social life and with the life of the middle west in particular have appeared with a curious and provocative simultaneity all of our novelists 
mr knock implies and these younger men no less than the others write with a certain preoccupation they have not their inner eye on the central truth of the situation or the ultimate truth of the characters they depict both of which are independent of time or place they are preoccupied with the externals to the detriment of their art which should concern itself solely with great emotions great spiritual experiences great actions many of our older novelists like mr howells were primarily concerned with niceness as a different stamp like william allen white are primarily concerned with morality and americanism so called but the younger writers equally put their primary concern in disparagement of niceness morality and americanism mr knock cites the example of gogol in rebuttal to them all gogol he says although he lived in a regime of russian despotism and bureaucratic stupidity beside which the recent ministrations of mr palmer and mr burleson in our own country appear the handiwork of mere amateurs still contrived to do classic work and he did it by ignoring that regime by putting by the civilization he lived in the qualities that distinguish his work are tenderness disinterestedness and serenity and these qualities could express themselves in his work in spite of a hostile environment but mr lewis dell anderson and frank go and do likewise is mr knox's advice let them also forget their environment in the sense in which gogol did let them not be preoccupied with it to the extent of allowing it to impinge even for a moment on their art they can do classic work no matter if the republic fails and the japanese occupy california and the mexicans new orleans now although it would no doubt be an excellent thing if our young novelists captured some of the qualities that distinguish gogol's work that is if they came by those qualities honestly and not imitatively i cannot help feeling that mr knock is giving advice where it is not needed namely to geniuses provided messrs lewis dell anderson and frank are geniuses they will not need mr knox's advice anyway provided they are not geniuses it cannot do them any ultimate good neither i nor mr knock nor mr sherman need to worry about the real genius when he appears he will be simply able to look after himself he will ignore his environment or repudiate it or challenge it or change it as he pleases furthermore i also cannot help feeling that gogol's genius great as it was was a rather narrow and special one and that the truly great artist does not put by his contemporary civilization but that he reflects and justifies it one thinks of pericles and shakespeare and rabelais universal to be sure yet each one impossible in himself without his peculiar age and civilization for strive as we will to put aesthetic values at the top of the ethical hierarchy and i confess i think that is where they belong in order to be at that top there must be something under them a man is a man and a citizen even before he is an artist and in the work of the highest genius it seems to me 
all the claims of these different sides of life are coordinated and and unified yet in any event whatever the question about a special type of genius such as gogol ignoring his civilization or about whether the highest type of genius does or does not ignore it and i certainly believe he does not there can be no question at all that the young intellectual the person not a genius yet with a certain confidence and a real interest in humanistic things must give heed to it he will perforce be a part of the social and economic and educational machinery of the country albeit it may be only a dissentient part he will be interested in politics in contemporary literature in the type of university life we possess in science in art and the american theatre and the labor movement he cannot and will not wish to escape any of these interests there will be the insistent problem of making a living in an environment where admittedly interest in intellectual things can hardly be said to yield quick or high dividends above all there will be as mr sherman himself says quoting from the forefathers the pursuit of happiness as a rational individual he will desire for himself a happy or as aristotle puts it the good life he will recognize that he is a social animal and will try to find expression of and satisfaction for those sides of his nature but he will likewise recognize the core of irreducible individualism that remains the spiritual integrity as a separate entity that cannot be destroyed and the happy life will be for him the life in which these two legitimate claims are harmonized and reinforce one another thus far i can go along with mr sherman and i fancy he would agree with the general propositions advanced in this paragraph the trouble comes when we try to apply these general principles concretely what is the national culture which the young man finds confronting him in america to-day and what are types of leaders of that culture with whom he is supposed to make contact mr sherman describes that culture as one predominantly of a long and vigorous tradition still in active functioning of moral idealism he hesitates to name the leaders of it that is the contemporary leaders for there is a sentimental passage about lincoln which by implication suggests that his spirit still lives in his successors it is not my business to quarrel with mr sherman about what really constitutes american national culture although i believe he is thoroughly wrong in his judgment as well as a single phrase can describe it our genuine national culture i think is one of almost belligerent individualism to be sure a certain pioneer social docility went with us for in a new country where living was precarious and dangerous all within the group had to conform if it was to be successful in its adventure when nevertheless the pressure of that social conformity became too great to be endured the individual could always go west either alone or with his family he could strike out for himself and lead the kind of life he chose worship god as he chose precisely this type of adventurous pioneers unafraid of the hazard of new dangers 
did people our country it is their spirit i think which still constitutes the real american national genius however much that genius may be smothered and thwarted to-day in a land that is rapidly filling up and that has already passed the turn from an agrarian to an industrial nation a good many of the younger generation would be glad to see a return to that early sturdy individualism i myself think affectionately of my new england forefathers who kept their blunderbuss well polished and hung in a conspicuous place on the wall ready for highly individualistic use against the exactions of any too tyrannical government however forgetting for the moment the question of tradition what are the facts will mr sherman seriously maintain that he finds a genuine moral idealism dominating the country to-day surely he is not so naive as to confuse the reformistic and uplift tendencies of our national life the pollyanna optimism prohibition blue laws exaggerated reverence for women home and foreign missions protestant clericalism with anything a civilized man can legitimately call moral idealism if he looks things squarely in the face he must recognize these manifestations of american life as in no way related to moral idealism they are the fine flower of timidity and fear and ignorance if mr sherman were not so hostile to freudian psychology that he persistently refuses to understand it if ever there was a scientific justification of the ethical need of restraint it is to be found there i should point out to him that this so-called moral idealism is merely what any good psychiatrist would instantly recognize as the morbid perversities which conventionally accompany a deeply dissatisfied human life for it hardly needs arguing that moral idealism begins with intelligence the trouble with what mr sherman is pleased to describe as american moral idealism is simply that it is illiterate it is on the same basis of reasoning as that of a fanatic who says that because there is adultery in the world we should kill off all women or because there is murder we should cease to make knives and pistols it is the moral idealism of outward compulsion as against the moral idealism of inner restraint the moral order that comes from authority as against the moral order that comes from freedom which does mr sherman really prefer it is significant that he does not mention the leaders of this national culture let me be specific suppose a young man just out of college and returned to his moderate-sized home town in ohio why not marion honestly tries to make those contacts with the national culture which mr sherman so vigorously urges him to make first he tries business where will he find the idealistic business man with a vision of a future great moral republic i mean a real vision and not a hypocritical pretense put on for the sake of the neighbors next he tries politics where can he in fact go but to those leaders who took a local pride in rolling up a big majority for brother warren then he tries reform and the labor movement can he go to a better place than to the leader of the local women's christian temperance union and possibly to the enthusiastic local manager of a national open shop campaign 
finally he tries music art and literature but here my hand falters the picture is too pathetic perhaps he ignores all these activities he wants merely to live a gracious and amiable and civilized life for himself to be part of an interesting and intellectual social group and do his work honestly within it forgetting the harshness of the environment frankly has he one chance in a hundred does mr sherman seriously imagine mr anderson being fertilized by contact with his congressman myself if he knew my liking for wine being enlightened by talking with mr volstead mr lewis becoming civilized by long conference with dr wilbur f crafts no what the young intellectual actually finds is that moral idealism is precisely what the institutional life of america to-day does not want for moral idealism if it means anything means fearlessness before the facts and willingness to face them intellectual integrity emotional honesty the attempt to win a moral order out of the jungle of experience without bias without any axe to grind without native prejudice this kind of moral idealism the younger generation has in large measure and it is just this kind of moral idealism which the younger generation finds nowhere existent in american national life to-day the whole drift and direction of our national life under the control of a malignant and stupid minority fears this kind of moral idealism as it fears hell itself in our national life to-day the young intellectual speedily finds that he is not wanted and particularly he is not wanted if he strives to accomplish just those objects which in the abstract mr sherman would be the first to praise i mean intellectual integrity and personal honesty before the facts of life mr sherman should try to put the problem to himself as concretely as i have attempted here sketchily to do if he did he would avoid his most serious blunder of all the notion that the young revoltés are merely so for the sake of personal indulgence and because they find moral discipline irksome nothing could be more grotesque they revolt simply at the hollowness and hypocrisy of the standards they are supposed to worship they revolt not in order to avoid discipline but in order to take the first step toward a real discipline i e a discipline based as far as may be on the truth they do not revolt for the fun of it even if a few roosevelt invented the phrase lunatic fringe and like almost every other group the younger men have theirs appeared to do so they revolt because they passionately want the opportunity to do honest work serious work intelligent work and they know what mr sherman for all his scholarship seems never to have learned that such work is impossible unless they are free and futile unless the civilization it occurs in welcomes it critics have often wondered why we have not produced great art and literature perhaps here we have the explanation i have already hinted my own belief that great art is the expression of an age and that age must itself be great ours is not it has nothing to express this in itself would be nothing much to weep over 
many ages have been fallow but it is discouraging to find this curiously persistent hostility on the part of the older generation of course in point of view not necessarily in age toward all of the younger generations attempt to make our national life a little nearer to greatness to make it more honest more fearless more intellectually straightforward more humanly free more rational of course our young intellectuals waste much time in discovering the hollowness of our institutions of course their tone is often fretful and peevish of course there are always those to identify freedom with mere running away from life and playing like a happy animal yet surely a man of mr sherman's intelligence and sympathy should be able to discern the reality beneath the appearance the fact remains he does not and when i say he i think of the whole class he represents even the intelligent and tolerant desert us can we be blamed if we suspect that beneath the ostensible reasons lie others fear primarily fear that an honest attempt to understand our point of view might make them deeply uncomfortable and dissatisfied it is only a suspicion but it is a growing one meanwhile let mr sherman reflect upon it while we of the younger generation make our plans for leaving the country of our birth and early affections we do not want to cut ourselves off from our national life but we are inexorably being forced to do it many of us shall probably starve when we go to some alien country but at least we shall be able spiritually to breathe End of section 10